Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm a motivational speaker and the author of The Hat That Saved My Life. I'm also the co-founder of Breast Friends, and I am so excited today because today I have a very, very special guest with me on the show. And before I take a minute to introduce her, I just I kind of want to give you a little intro into the, the subject today. Um, about a year and a half ago, I had this... Uh, wonderful phrase said to me that has now pretty much taken on a life of its own. (laughs) And that phrase is staying in the light. And I say this because my guest today is the one who gave me this phrase. And it has, like I said, it's taken on a meaning of its own. It's become a huge part of my inspiration on a regular daily basis. And rather than go into any of the details about why it's so important or what it really means to me, I'm going to bring my guest on and we're going to talk about it together because I think that there is so, so, so much around this thought and what it means and how we can all benefit by staying in the light and just exactly what it means and how do we do that. So with that, our guest today is Dr. Shawnee Fox. Now, she's been a guest on my show in 2016 and again in 2018 where we touched on this subject because that's sort of when it came about. But she's been a guest presenter at the Breast Friends Survivor Luncheon. She's taught at the Breast Friends Retreats. And honestly, she's such a great resource for the cancer community here in Portland. I love this woman to pieces. I'm so inspired by her. Um, Dr. Shawnee is a naturopathic physician, a certified life coach, and the creator of the Leading Edge Back in Charge. It's a medical model for survivor care. Dr. Shawnee is also the author of the Cancer Survivor's Fear First Aid Kit, and that's a hard thing to say, but I know what it means. (laughs) Shani is also a popular national speaker. She's a radio guest and blogger for the Huffington Post. She works within the cancer survivor communities, and she has become a hero to me in so many ways. Welcome, Dr. Shani. Thank you for being on my show again today. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's such a joy to be here. Thank you. Well, you just, you mean the world to me, and, you know, I've always really liked you. I mean, that's never been a question, but but the day that that little moment transpired between the two of us has been a life-altering moment. And, you know, I know as we go through life, different things, you know, I think we can all look back on little moments that really resonated in some unique and wonderfully unexpected way and this was mm-hmm. such an unexpected thing so before I don't even want to tell the story I want you to tell the story um, and we, you know we may remember little details differently but that's okay because you know we're we can do that and we can still have a conversation and nobody has to be right or wrong <laughs> we just I know I forget those <laughs> a lot so you feel free to correct me if I got a detail off but um, but let's get right into this and I would love to have you tell the story about the words that you spoke to me that night at the open house. Do you rem- do you remember how that all came about? 
Well, I'm going to go ahead and set it up, Becky, and then actually maybe we'll go over to you because I'm really interested to hear how you heard what I said. Um, okay. But anyway, the context the context was very simple. Once a year, uh, the organization Breast Friends that you co-founded has an open house, and you invite, uh, well, certainly lots of survivors, but also lots of professionals from the community who have connections to Breast Friends in various ways, and I'm certainly one of those. I'm a big fan of Breast Friends. So uh, at this uh, this open house. Um, you know, I come. I, I come there in order to say hello to people I know, and you're certainly one of the people I wanted to say hello to. And so I made my way over to you at one point, and I was also aware at that point that you uh, had been diagnosed the fifth time around with cancer, and you were awaiting treatment. I, I was aware of that from various newsletters of yours, etc. So I wanted to touch base with you and and and, and certainly say hello. So. Finally, that happened. We had a few moments conversation, and I believe the place you were exactly was that you had been admitted to uh, an experimental trial, uh, a treatment trial, and there was a delay before starting that trial, and you were anxious to get into treatment. I mean, having been accepted, you really wanted, I I think what you said at the time was, let's get this party started, Um, (laughs) and I don't blame you. you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, you know, once we're in that situation, waiting becomes very, very difficult. So I certainly could have compassion as to where you were in that particular moment of uh, having a direction, which was great, but then also having to wait for it. And, and that's just hard. That's just hard. So you, when you said that, when you, when you mentioned that you were waiting and impatient about waiting, um, I, I could see on you that that was... I don't know, wearing on you, it was, it, it was hard, it was stressful for you in some way. Again, I can understand that, but I, could, I, I perceived that. And what occurred to me in that moment was that actually, it, it, I think what was going through your head is, I'm not doing anything right now. I wish I could do something about this and not have to wait. Mm-hmm. And what occurred to me in my mind was, but you are doing something, Becky. You're not just waiting. And that's what prompted my next comment to you, I think I, I said something like that, that you're, you're not actually just waiting around. You, you are doing something for yourself right now. And at that point, you exhibited some curiosity. <laughs> so what I... Yes, I did. Was, <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I believe another thing that was happening at the time, you were about to do a concert. Of course, you're a great singer. Um, so you were about to do a, a concert um, of some sort, an appearance, and you know you were getting ready for that, and you were excited about that, and so that particular event reminded me how much you have going on in your life all the time, that you are never at a standstill. You know, between the activities, I mean, less so now, but at the time, certainly, you know, with best friends and your this music uh, direction that you so love and speaking, you have so many irons in the fire, and it's as if, in your mind, all that was unimportant at the time, the most important thing was to get into treatment, and of course that's important, but what I was attempting to remind you of is that you were living a rich, full life, and that makes all the difference, that makes all the difference, you are certainly not sitting around doing nothing, and so I believe I said that in a way that was something like, you know, you're spreading life like everywhere. <laughs> You've got your light on, Becky. And so you can take it from there. Tell me what you heard when I said something like that, because that was the nature of what I meant to convey to you. 
Well, that's pretty much the gist of what I heard. Um, but you know, for me, it went even it went even beyond that. Um, you know, just to kind of go back for a moment. You know, this is my this was my fifth battle through cancer, and I have never mm-hmm. been one to wait. Well, you know, I'm one of these. If if I've got cancer, let's get moving. What can we do? You know, tomorrow or by next week. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I've got three or four surgeries to do, let's see how fast we can get them done. And just you know, let's get mm-hmm. moving on this thing right away. And this was the first time in my five different battles through cancer that I actually had to wait. My doctor was retiring, um, so I was going to have to switch to a new doctor anyway, and I didn't really want to start on treatment when I had a doctor that was leaving, and he was leaving for the, all the right reasons. I mean, he didn't hate me or anything, you know, but there's <laughs> nothing I could take personally, but I needed to, I wanted to kind of get started down a path with a doctor, and my new doctor was the one that was trying to get me onto the trial. And I don't think I'd actually been accepted yet, but we were right in that phase of, you know, kind of going through all that and waiting for it. That part I'm not sure about. But um, but yeah, I felt because I wasn't able to just jumpstart this thing and get it, get it going out of my body, I felt like it was growing. And it must have been growing really fast because, you know, I'd had cancer the year before, I'd been diagnosed, they thought it was metastatic then. And that was in, um, what month was that? Oh, I can't remember now. I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, oh, it was October. Actually, it was October 7th of 2018. We thought it was cancer. We thought it was metastatic cancer because it had shown up in a new spot. And they did radiation, and then they started me on this this drug for metastatic cancer patients. Well, come January, when I had my next scan, all signs of cancer were gone. And mm-hmm. my doctor thought, well, maybe it's not really metastatic. Maybe it's just a stubborn spot. And, um, and so they took me, you know, off, off of that drug and we just decided to keep an eye on it. So in January, it was a clean, it was a clean bill of health in May, it was a clean bill of health. And then come October again, I went in for what I thought would be yet another clean bill of health. And all of a sudden I've got five tumors in my lungs that were never there before ever. And, that was the kind of the clincher that said, no, it probably was metastatic this whole time. We just didn't see it because it was too small. So that's when they decided that I needed to be back on a very aggressive treatment. And then that's when the wait began. And so I'm sitting here thinking, well, it went from zero to, to five tumors in about five months. What's it doing now? I mean, we're not doing anything to stop it. And, I, it, and honestly, Shawnee, it was a really scary place for me because I'm just, you, know, you go to bed at night. I'm a worrier anyway. You go to bed at night. And I'm just picturing these little tumors just popping up new little babies, you know, <laughs> all around me and, mm-hmm. and nothing I can do to stop it at the moment. So that that was the thing that was going on in my head. And it was, that can be very debilitating. You know, I almost became mm-hmm. paralyzed over this thing and, and just really not sure what to do or how to react or where to go. And so that particular day at our open house, when you walked up to me and you said, and you knew, you know, that I was going through something like this, but I don't think even you knew kind of the, the degree of it at that point until we started talking. But mm-hmm. you asked me how I was doing. And I said, like I said to everybody else that night, I said, oh, I'm fine. Thanks. And I remember you looking mm-hmm. me straight in the face and you said, Becky, you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> How are you really? <laughs> and I thought, man, that's that's really, um, you know, you were so perceptive when you said that. And um, 
So I knew for the first time I could kind of let my guard down and, and just talk with you. And we just kind of stepped over into a corner and just chatted for a few minutes. But when I told you that what I was really afraid of is that I wasn't doing anything, and you looked me again straight in the face and said, you're not doing nothing. You're staying in the light. And I mm. I knew I liked the way that sounded, but I didn't know what it meant. So, um, you know, rather than me try to explain to our audience what that meant, can you, do you feel okay talking about that? What, what did that phrase mean to you? Sure. Sure. I think, again, with all deference and respect to counter-treatment, which we need, um, we have a tendency sometimes to think that that's the be-all and end-all, that that's, that's the only thing that we can do. And it's an important thing to be done, and I'm sure I don't have to convince anybody of that, but where I come from is that the way we live the rest of our lives has just as much importance. It really has just as much importance. And we want to we live as if we're going to live. We want to live as if we're going to live. In other words, we're, you know, the, these cancer treatments, the medical system can often place themselves as if they are the only thing between us and a fate that we don't want to hear about. And they've got a lot to offer, but actually the way we live our lives is so important. It's such an important part of that equation that we, we don't want to always be thinking that we're escaping something. We want to say that we're living for something. That, to me, is one of the most important precepts about how we get through anything that's difficult in life, and cancer is certainly one of those things. So I agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. So fortunately, in, in your case, I was able to point to all these things, these very specific things that really made up this rich life that you're living. And even though the impending treatment was on your mind, and we understand that at that time, I wanted to make sure that you remembered who you really are, the, the, the whole of you, who, who the rest of you is, not just the part that's about to go into cancer treatment. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And, you know, when I think back, you know, on that particular month, and I know I've shared this on the show before, um, that, you know, as a speaker, I travel around the country and I speak on cancer and I speak at a lot of cancer survivor events. And, you know, kind of that's pretty much my specialty. I do some other speaking, too. But but my cancer survivor event speaking is is sort of the one I do the most of. And that particular October for whatever reason, I had more speaking events that October than I think I had had ever in the month of October mm. in all the years that I'd been speaking. And I had all these things lined up. And, you know, if they'd come in after I had been diagnosed with this stage four metastatic, I don't know if I would have said yes. I'd like to think I would, mm. but I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure that I would have because it really... That diagnosis caught me off guard, but the fact is I already had these things lined up, so I I knew in my heart, I got to go do these things. I don't have time to be sick. I don't have time to wait around, so I just had to go and do these things, and what I found is that when I was on a stage talking about cancer from whatever part of my program I was in, um, it kind of took me out of that place of being a patient and put me back into the place of giving hope. And that's really all my messages yeah. are always about anyway, is about giving hope. And it's it's easy when you, it, it, 
it's like you just go from this place to this place and and it just took me out of my doldrums that I was feeling, got me off my couch, <laughs> you know, which I can mm-hmm. I can live on my couch for a while. But but when I'm on a stage and I'm sharing my story and I'm sharing my passion and I'm sharing my heart with other people that I know are going through very similar things or have gone through them or will go through them, you know, living my life is 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 the rest of the story. Cancer is a part of it, but it's not all mm-hmm. of it. And so when you started sharing with me about, you know, these things that I'm doing in spite of the fact that I've got cancer, and, and yes, I was working up. We've been practicing every Tuesday. Um, I sing with this 18-piece swing orchestra. They're really fun mm-hmm. and awesome. And you have to be a, a, a be able to read music and play an instrument to actually be in the band. But I don't do any of that. <laughs> I just they have their sheet music. I have my cheat music, as I call it. It's just the words to a song typed onto a piece of paper and stapled to a folder. And that's how I read music because I just read the words, <laughs> you know. And then I have to learn the mm-hmm. song. But but that's my joy, and I have. And every Tuesday, I'd go practice with them. Every time we had a, an event coming up that I was going to be the substitute lead vocalist for, and those things brought me so much joy that again, it gets me off my couch, gets me outside of myself, and all those crappy things I'm dealing with right now, and puts me into a place where I can, I can dream again, I can live again, and and find that joy in that. So, so what, as you began to explain what staying in the light meant that's that's what it meant to me because I knew I knew the Mm -hmm. difference between how I felt when I was doing those things and when I wasn't and you know having that to look forward even even if I'm not doing it if I've got one coming up and it's on my schedule I can it's almost as if I'm doing it because I'm thinking about it I'm looking forward to it I'm anticipating it and and it's a very very exciting place to be and it kind of takes some of that that scariness away from this whole thing. Because as long as I can keep doing what I love, then I'm not too sick, you know? And I don't know if that means. Okay, good. (laughs) I wasn't sure if I was just rattling (laughs) and it was making sense to you or not. But but I think it's it's really important because when we're doing what we love, it just changes so many things about about what else is going on in our lives. So, um, so yeah, those, those words that day, Honestly, Shawnee, that was that was life changing for me, and it's led to a whole new thing. You know, I've now reached out into the the Christian community, and I'm doing some speaking at churches and um, trying to get into a, a some a couple of of conferences. You know, Christian conferences to speak at, but it's all about staying in the light. You know, I believe that that God has given us all a purpose to be here, and when we're living within that purpose, it's also part of staying in the light. You know, when we're doing what we're meant to do, that that's part of it, you know, as well. So, so I, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm curious, and we'll get more into that later. But I'm curious how, what was it about that day? That well, let me let me backtrack for a moment. We all have times in in our lives where somebody really needs that that word of encouragement, and sometimes it's hard to know what to say. It's hard to know if we should say, should we, what if I'm intruding? What if they don't appreciate the thoughts? Whatever. Nothing held you back that day from coming up and talking to me. Nothing held you back. And I'm just curious Mm -hmm. to know, you know, what prompted you to reach out to me that day? I mean, there were 100 people in the room and you could have gone up to anybody. But what prompted you to reach out to me that day? And then what, how did you know what it was I needed to hear? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, 
Well, like I said, I mean, just in the context of where we were, I would have reached out to you. You know, I mean, that's simply what I was there to do. But, it, of course, it went way beyond that. Um, I, I would have opened the conversation in any case. But having opened the conversation, you know, like you, I work um, all the time with cancer patients and survivors. And one thing I've learned from many years now of experience is that the most important, when in conversation with a person who's going through something like this, the most important thing is authenticity. It's authenticity. So um, that's why, as you talked about before, when I walked up to you and you said, I'm fine, and I could see in your face that you weren't quite fine, I just didn't let it rest. Now, I didn't want to badger you, of course, but I just <laughs> asked again. I just asked if, if, if there was something else going on because, you know, if, you can see these things very often if you're looking, just simply yeah. in a person's body language or their facial expressions or that sort of thing. So if we stop with I'm fine when, you know, I know very well that you've, you've, you've been diagnosed, you've got, you know, treatment decisions to make, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be an authentic conversation at that point if I just let it rest it, I'm fine. Now, you know, again, not that you meant anything untoward by that. You were in a crowded room after all, and, you know, we, we right. all say those things, right? But, but, um, but I, I just have the senses at this point, the, the what do you call that, the, the awareness, I suppose, that, you know, that, not every word is exactly what it appears, and so it's worth just listening carefully and looking carefully to see what, what's really going on at an authentic level for the person. So when I could see that something was underneath the surface there, I simply inquired again, and at that point you, you, you gave me more details about where you were and, and what your concerns were, which of course led us to that moment that um, was of such meaning to you. So yeah. I think that it's really... It's really very important to, and especially in a, in a tender context like this, when we know cancer is, you know, in the picture somewhere, just to listen carefully to the other person and listen to our own hearts. And even if we don't have a lot of skills, particularly in crafting words and messages around that, just something very simple that lets the person know, I hear you, I see you, and I'll do the best I can to meet you where you are, whatever that looks like. That's the way I approach those conversations. I don't well, you, whatever you do, you did it. You did it beautifully. You yeah. really did. Listen, Shawnee, we're going to go out to a quick break. Um, so stay tuned. Okay. When we come back, we'll finish this conversation, and then I want to um, talk about roadblocks to staying in the light um, because I know that sure. they're there and they've gotten in my way a few times. So um, let's stay mm-hmm. tuned. Everyone, just stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. 
Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Dr. Shawnee Fox, about staying in the light. And we are going to move into um, roadblocks to staying in the light. But before we do that, we had just started a conversation about authenticity. And and Dr. Shawnee, I know there is a lot more to say about that because it's, it is so important. So why don't you kind of pick that up and talk to us about authenticity, what that means, why it's important, why does it matter? Well, I was talking just before about how authenticity is very important in communication uh, with anybody who's going through or even beyond cancer. You know, cancer has, it it, it raises our alarms for what's not important in life and for what is. And and even in conversation, we want to, you know, I I think many, most of the people I would say who I've met who've been through cancer really, you know, they're not interested in what's not meaningful anymore or what's not authentic. That's where they really want to spend their time and put their attention. And so it, it, it starts with communication and, and being honest, honestly, in communication in terms of what is going great, what's not going so great, and that sort of thing. There's lots more I could say about that, but, but the point is that in communication, this plays a big role. But I think even more widely, this links back to what you said before, When we are being our authentic selves in the world, then we feel good about living. We sort of know why we're living, and we feel good about doing it, and we remember how important that is. So when you were talking earlier about your speaking and the singing and everything else that was going on in your life, and of course you have your family, you know, you have a lovely family too, and they keep you very occupied and busy, and and, and so all these things, the things that we are meant to do and be, and we know that because they give us joy or we feel passion doing them, we feel purposeful doing them. Those are the authentic parts of our lives, and so the more that we are 
in touch with those and actually living from those and in those parts of our lives, I think, honestly, the healthier we're going to be. That's, that's very important to our well-being, and that's how it relates to all of this, that, 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 that feeling authentic in all aspects of our lives, not shying back from things that we might like to do but we never tried or things that uh, we, we know we like to do but we, don't have time, we feel like we don't have time for them. We need to make time for them. That's exactly what's important and, what, and how we are of greatest impact here, how we're of great, in greatest alignment with ourselves. Um, so this concept of authenticity, I think, is, is super important to well-being for anybody, really, but certainly once cancer has entered the picture. I agree. And it's just, you know, I think we, we spend so much of our lives kind of reacting to things around us instead of instead of mm-hmm. being proactive in the things we want to do. We end up reacting to stuff that maybe we really don't want to do, but it's there in front of us. And now we have to deal with it. Um, but mm-hmm. if we can find those ways in our lives to be proactive and actually be our authentic selves. And sometimes it's a little hard to know what that might look like, but I'm going to quote a book that I quote often on this show, and I think repetition is good because maybe eventually it'll sink in. But there's a little book called Live Like You Were Dying that I bought many years ago. It's just full of little phrases. And one of the phrases in this book is, and I'm going to, this is probably the 50th time I've repeated it on this show, but the phrase is, we're all terminal. Some of us are just lucky Mm. enough to know it. And until you're lucky mm, enough okay. to know it, we just we just wander through life thinking it's this is as good as it's going to get, and this is how it is, and it's never going to end. And but at some point in time, we start to realize that this doesn't need to be as good as it gets, and and it will end at some point in time. So how do we want to spend the rest of our life between now and whenever that is? And you know, I think mm-hmm. that once we do that, we start making different choices, different decisions. And but, but I was still just going back to that moment. There was something in you that told me, or something that you saw in me that told you we weren't done with this conversation yet. <laughs> you know, it's so easy mm-hmm. to say, "How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm fine, thanks," and then move on to the next person. And what was real about that? Nothing. But that whole conversation you and I had that day was was one of the most real conversations I've ever had. And it just meant so, so very much to me. Um, so Thank you. Let's, and, let's and it move. meant a lot to me, too, by the way. It was a real moment of, of, of genuine connection, and I remember it just as well. Good. Well, I'm so glad. Well, listen, let's talk about roadblocks to staying in the light, because, you know, we both know mm-hmm. now that staying in, light, in the light really kind of refers to, you know, doing what you love, doing your, you know, living that thing on purpose that you're supposed to do, no matter what crappy, ugly thing you might be going through. But there are times when maybe we aren't staying in the light. And what are some of those roadblocks from, you know, you, you work with patients all the time, you know, as, as a coach, a counselor. What, what do you see are some of the roadblocks to people, you know, not staying in the light? I guess if I had to boil it down, I'd probably categorize two main issues. But one okay. is certainly fear. And, you know, cancer, of course, instills a lot of fear on many levels. I won't, you know, go into that. Uh, anybody who's been through cancer or seen anybody go through cancer is, is familiar with this. But when we are in a state of fear, um, we can forget that there's anything much beyond the fear. That, that it, it tends to, it's a real opportunist, and it will, it will occupy our entire outlook if we allow it to. And so if we are focused on whatever is um, kicking up the fear, 
then we're going to forget about these other kinds, other parts of our life. And so fear just by its presence is going to make it harder for us to even remember the idea of staying in the light, much less actually doing it or how we do it. So if we are struggling with fear, which is uh, a manifestation of anxiety, um, you know, thinking about things that haven't happened, might, but maybe never will, um, it, you know, that, that, that's something that needs to be dealt with. And the antidote typically is staying in the present moment. You know, fear is a, is a creature of the future. You know, we're, we're thinking about a future that may manifest, and, you know, whether or not that's true, that's where our thoughts are out there in the future. To the extent that we can bring ourselves back to the present moment, I've got, you know, well, I don't know what's happening to me next month, next year, but I do know that today I'm right here, I'm feeling well, I've got all kinds of resources at my disposal, what can I do with today? And sometimes, at least that's where we start, is by, you know, what do I do this, this hour, what do I do this day, what do I do this week, and building a life from like you say, from that point proactively rather than responding to fear, which is always looming out there somewhere in the future. So, so fear is certainly one of those very big little blocks. Well, I agree. And I know, I know sometimes I'm, I'm, a, I'm a worrier. I think I'm more worried than, quote, fearful. You know, I'm, I'm kind of fearless mm-hmm. sometimes. But, but sometimes mm-hmm. that worry and that anxiety that kind of goes along with that worry becomes mm-hmm. fear. And I'm not... I mean, I know mm-hmm. there's a there's a healthy there's kind of a healthy worry, and maybe it's more of a concern than a worry. You know, we all get concerned mm-hmm. about stuff. You know, if we see our mm-hmm. our kids playing outside, there's always a concern that something could happen to them because they're playing outside. Mm-hmm. But to worry about it, like oh my god, something's going to happen to them. Where's that line between when normal concern becomes anxiety provoking worry? I mean, how? Where is there a line, and and can we avoid well, it? I, I'm not sure if there's an I'm not sure if there's an official answer to that. But what what occurs to me in this moment is that when it becomes a lifestyle, it's too much, and and unfortunately that happens for all too many people. You know, there are these statistics out there that that, that demonstrate that seventy percent of cancer survivors deal with persistent fear. You know, by by research definition of fear, but nevertheless they they struggle with this. Uh, on an ongoing basis. I mean, it's, it's the vast majority of, of cancer survivors have real existential fear that keeps cropping up for them. And so if that's kind of in the background, happens once in a while, but I really am able to get on with my life, that's fine. If I'm shutting down my life in any way over that fear, then it's become my lifestyle, essentially, and that's very unhealthy. So, you know, I, I hope that doesn't apply to listeners here. Is it the fear of the cancer returning? Is it well, the fear of cancer is. returning or something else? Yeah, or, or just the idea, sometimes it's about the cancer part, or it's that I don't have enough time, I have no time left, when actually you're here right now, you've, you've got time, <laughs> you know, we don't, nobody knows, none of us know how much we've got left, but, but the fact that we're here today, and, and you know, with abilities and, and resources means that we've got time, and so, we, you know, we need to, again, draw our focus back to that, so, so yeah, I mean, fear, it can manifest in big ways, and I'm not invalidating that, but it's also not where we want to live our lives. And if that is happening, then that's something we're seeking help over. And so fear, what's the difference between, you know, fear and panic? And I mean, I, I know they all have different names, but there's worry and then there's anxiety and fear and panic. What, how, when does it cross over? How do, how do we know that we're in danger of crossing over into the unhealthy um, area of fear? 
I'm not even sure I'm asking the right question. So if you got a better way to no, ask, no, I mean, it, go for it. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's an okay question, and and, and I, you know the way I see it crop up is, for example, it will start to affect people's decisions. You know, we've got choices to make in life pretty much every day. Some are small, some are large, and when it gets to some of the more significant ones, you know, you'll see people um, acting out of fear rather than out of um, hope or out of positivity or out of proactivity or purpose. Um, you know, you'll see people start to make decisions around fear. You know, I, I have worked with people, for example, who are afraid to plan vacations because the idea that their cancer might come back. You know, that, that's, you know, and, and at the moment they are in remission. You know, what, then the cancer's running your life. And so that's the point, you know, that's over the line where, where cancer is the reference point for absolutely everything when, as you said before, very rightly, I think, that cancer is essentially a chapter. It's not the whole book. It's not all of who I am. That's true. So let me ask you something. This is a very realistic thing that's going on right now um, with our world as it is today. I know people that Mm -hmm. have plans to go on a on a trip somewhere, but now they're Mm -hmm. uh, afraid that they're going to they're going to get coronavirus while they're traveling. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. and maybe, but probably not. You know, as long as we're careful and, I mean, I can't guarantee that you won't, but is it unre- is that unreasonable to think about canceling a trip because what if the person sitting next to you on the airplane starts coughing on you and you end up with coronavirus? I mean, it's very, Yeah, we're talking about a more acute illness right now. You know, a virus really does transmit very easily and could, you know, uh, and I'm not saying people should be paranoid about this, but the fact is a virus can transmit from one person coughing next to another, potentially. So, um, so that, 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 that's a, a risk which is more immediate, um, you know, just because of the nature of the virus. But cancer, of course, is not like that. Cancer usually grows very slowly and over a long mm-hmm. period of time, so it's not something that we're going to catch from anybody else or, or something like that. Right. We, 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 that. That's more a matter of adjusting one's lifestyle to live as healthy as possible. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm definitely a worrier. If you had the camp for worriers, I'm in the worrier camp most of the time. And my, ki- <laughs> my kids are always saying to me, well, mom, what, you know, because I'm like, well, what if that happens? And they go, yeah, but mom, what if it doesn't happen? Oh, well, that would be uh-huh, cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and the chances of it happening <laughs> are question, actually. slim most of the time, you know. Um, but I, I have a trip planned to, to uh, go somewhere here pretty soon. It involves, you know, five hours on an airplane. And so I'm going to take mm-hmm. my my uh, antibiotic, not whatever you call that stuff, the germ cleaner bottle, and I'm going to wipe down my tray and do all those things that they tell me to do. But I'm refusing mm-hmm. to allow it to stop me because, and there was a time it probably would have stopped me from going mm-hmm. because what if? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to yes. operate on the basis of what if it doesn't? Then I've got some really cool surprises in my future because I get to surprise a couple people, which will be very, very cool. Wonderful. So, um, so yeah, this is something I, I've trying to work my way through my whole life you know I just get I am mm-hmm. definitely a warrior and my kids recognize it and acknowledge it and and they're all constantly reminding me that you know what if it doesn't happen that way mom what if it turns out perfect well then I've missed a lot if I don't do it so yeah, I'm trying exactly. I'm trying Johnny <laughs> it's not not always perfect, <laughs> perfect science but I am yeah and I am trying. I've never worried in my life either I've worried in my life too. I, I hear oh, you. I'm so glad to hear that. I hear you. <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm all alone in this. Well, you know, it's kind of we're going to go out to break here pretty soon. But I wanted to 
give a quote here that I heard recently from one of my previous guests. I had a guest on on my show by the name of Patrick Quillen, and Patrick talks about the 12 keys mm-hmm. to a healthier cancer patient. And one of the, mm-hmm. the things he shared with me on the show, and I hadn't heard this before, but it kind of goes right in line with what we're talking about, and that is a quote by Deepak Chopra who says, every cell in our body is, is eavesdropping on our thoughts. And mm-hmm. when I start to go into kind of a negative place or I'm starting to think about, you know, that it was a cancer returning and all that, that's, that's a negative, dark place. And if the cells in my body mm-hmm. are really listening to that, can that be good for me? Probably, probably not, I'm thinking. So then I try to turn that thought around that maybe this medicine I'm on is actually diminishing the cancer. And in fact, my last two mm-hmm. scans showed that my cancer cells are, are reducing in size. So that's Wonderful. good. Wonderful. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but when our, when our thoughts get really dark, you know, and I know probably a lot of us, especially those of us who have experienced cancer, can get into some pretty dark places. Like, what if we don't pull out of this mm-hmm. kind of thing? So when we mm-hmm. get into those really, really negative thoughts, knowing that every cell in my body is eavesdropping on those thoughts, how can I pull my thoughts around from that really dark, negative place to something positive? And we've only got a couple minutes before we go out to break again. But if you, do you have some things that you teach the people that you work with on how to replace those those really negative thoughts with something more positive, more energy-filled? Is it breathing? What, what can we do to really pull ourselves away from that? Yeah. Uh, breathing is wonderful, and I always recommend it because it actually shifts the state of the nervous system. You know, taking a few deep, slow breaths literally um, shifts the nervous system to its rest and digest mode, which makes it a lot easier to entertain much more calming thoughts. So I absolutely recommend breathing as a first step. And Beyond that, you know, I'll tell you how I do it. Um, you know, when I get into a dark place, the, the place I go to is to gratitude, immediately to gratitude, because it's not something I have to learn to do. We all know how to do this. And I just sit in gratitude. And what I mean by that is sometimes I'll just take a pencil and start writing and writing and writing and writing as many things as I can be grateful for, as I can think of, because gratitude is literally a healthy emotion. And it will shift so that, that that message that you're talking about that the cells get is mediated by hormones. It's a certain combination of hormones that, that deliver that message to the cells that something is not okay. Gratitude is literally a healthy emotion in the sense that it shifts the hormone combination. And therefore, it, if you stay there long enough to feel it, to feel it in your heart, the gratitude, mm-hmm. it already then is delivering different hormones to your cells. And so it literally works on the, on the physiological level as well as at the spirit level. And that is how I deal with it, like acute moments of darkness is I just sit down and start writing everything that I can think of to be grateful for, everything. I love that. Um, you know what? We're going to go ahead and go out to break. And when we come back, I would love it if you could speak a little bit more about the hormones that our bodies produce when we're having negative versus positive thoughts. Can we can we go there when we come back from break? Would that be all right? Sure, whatever you like. Okay, mm-hmm. good. All right, so stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. 
Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our show. We've been talking about the importance of staying in the light with our guest, Dr. Shawnee Fox. And before we go back, I want to just encourage our listeners, if you are loving this program as much as I know you are, please consider subscribing to our podcast, share it with your friends, post the links on your Facebook page, whatever you need to do to help your friends hear this message too. We all know someone who is going through some struggles and dark times in their life. This is such a great, powerful message. So please share it. Consider making a donation to our program so we can keep this show going. And we love we love hearing from you. So if you want to write to me, write to Becky at breastfriends.org and tell me your thoughts on what you're learning in our broadcast today. So with that, back to Dr. Shawnee. Um, you had mentioned the word hormones. And when I think about positive and negative thoughts going through our our minds. I've never really equated that to hormones. Can you just speak quickly on that? Because we don't have a lot of time left in this segment, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. So the way our bodies are hardwired to produce hormones that get us into the right state of being for whatever our circumstances are. So what I mean by that is if we feel unsafe, if we feel in danger, then there's a certain set of hormones that put us on high alert, that make our heart 
pump a little faster, that get our muscles ready to run if necessary. Um, to, you know, it sort of just puts us in a, a, a very ready state of being. And the main among, one, hormone among those is cortisol. Um, so that is produced in higher amounts and produces a state of being that we're very watchful and wary and making sure that we're alert for any danger in our surroundings. That is very helpful if you are standing in the middle of the street and a, and a, and a truck is coming at you. You need to get out of the way. But if you're not, if, if you are producing worrisome thoughts and you're still producing that state of hormone, um, the state of being with your hormones, then it's going to start destroying your cells after a while. In other words, we can, we can go to this high alert state without actually having a, a, an immediate threat there other than in our own thoughts. Okay. So we want to be able to identify when that's happening and be aware of it and know what, I, what we can do in order to shift that because cortisol over time, it's not meant to be around all the time and over time it's destructive to our body. So that's where we want to find practices like gratitude, which will allow us to be in a different state of, uh, of hormone production. And the hormones that will be produced are similar, for example, the, the endorphins, like the ones that happen when you exercise that make you feel good. Th- those are associated, among other things, with gratitude. And so we want to, first of all, we want to feel better, but ourselves will feel better if we go to that place because the hormone messages they receive will be, in fact, very different from a state of high alert. Well, and I think a lot of us can agree to that. And I, I get those endorphin levels increased when I go spend time in my hot tub. <laughs> so I, I yeah, love my hot tub. <laughs> Makes me feel good. Yeah, whatever gets so, you joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, this is this is just such a fascinating um, conversation with you. I'm so glad you were able to join me in it. You know, this, like I said, this has sort of taken on a life of its own. And, you know, one of the goals I have, Shawnee, in my life now, and this really gives me a, a kind of a vision and a direction and it helps me be proactive rather than reactive. And, and that is to have some personal goals that aren't easily achievable, but achievable nonetheless. And I think sometimes we mm-hmm. put goals goals and things in our life that are undoable and then we get frustrated because we can't make them happen but in my case I have a I have a goal and I'm just going to share it with you and all of our listeners I have a goal to speak in all 50 states before I die now I don't mean that in a gloom and doom way it's like your bucket list right that's what it's about is the things you want to do before you kick the bucket but one of the things I want to do is speak in all 50 states and I have 18 to go um, trying to line up something in Hawaii right now because my husband and I are going to be in Hawaii in May and I'm just trying to get plugged into a race Radio show. If I can even go speak on a radio show, I have accomplished my mission in that state. But um, part of why I want to do this is because I think that this message of staying in the light is so important that I want everyone to become aware of the phrase, aware of the term, and and just see where it might go. Because I, I think that it's such a powerful message, and you have been such a huge part of, of helping me share that because I couldn't. This is not something I came up with. This was something that you shared with me. And I always give you credit when I go and speak about it. But um, but that's that's the goal is to speak in all 50 states, share this message of staying in the light. And a big part of that message and this whole concept of doing what you love um, is we talk about living our life on purpose. And I wanted to share that, too, because this is part of it. You know, and I've shared this goal. You know, I've been on the air for four and a half years. You can't not share things a few times. But um, I think repetition, again, is good for the soul. It helps us remember what's important. But living our life on purpose, I've heard so many people say that, but nobody tells me how to do it. And so a few years ago, I came up with a slogan, and I think it really holds 
water. I really do because everybody I've shared this with says, yeah, that makes sense to me. And that is to live your life on purpose. It means discovering what your gifts are, the things that you can do easily, that come easily to you, and, and recognize those as your gifts. And then add that to your passion. What do you care about? What are the things that matter to you? Mm-hmm. And when you can merge those the two things together and, and use those either as a hobby or as your career or whatever, you have discovered your purpose. And just a couple of examples of that, and I, I need to come up with some new examples, but um, if, you're a, if your gift is photography and you can take great photos of people, you can communicate a story through the photographs that you create, um, but your passion, the thing you care about is you know maybe abused animals or homelessness or whatever whatever really hits you in the heart if you can take that gift of photography and that thing that you care about and do photos and tell the stories of the plight of these people through you know the photos that you are able to to take and share that 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 is living within your purpose and may it may mm-hmm. be a career it may be a hobby you know it's just maybe a little part of your life but it's something that brings you so much joy that you can't imagine living your life without doing that thing and when you're doing that thing that is staying in the light that is you know that's yeah. where you're meant to be when i go out and speak i mean my one of my gifts is i can stand on a stage and speak to a strange audience and not faint that's that's definitely a gift. Right? <laughs> the not painting part, is what definitely. Makes it so. <laughs> but yeah. I have a I yeah. have a passion for not just for women going through breast cancer, but for women and men who have just kind of lost hope in things. And I don't want people to mm-hmm. feel that there's no hope. And so if I can get up on a stage and share my story, which is my gift, and then give hope in the process, which is what I care about, then I feel like I'm living my life with purpose. And I want to do that for as long as I can, regardless of what I'm going through right now. And that's the whole concept and idea behind staying in the light. Would you agree? I would, and what I would say is, in in that case, when you do that, Becky, you're not only standing in the light, you're being the light. You're being the light, and I want you to know that that's contagious. People are drawn, just like moths to flame, people are drawn to light like that. When you are on purpose and when you are in your dreams and your goals like that, then you are um, giving other people permission, essentially, to do exactly the same thing, showing them it's possible. So just know that you're being the light there, Becky. Oh, I love that. And Shawnee, you are too. Just, you know, from the first time I ever met you, you just, you just light up like a little beam. (laughs) And I think, (laughs) you know, you've got, you've got such a gift of just touching people's hearts at the right moment, at the right time, saying the right words. And that's, that's not easy. In fact, some people can't even listen. You know, they're, they hear what you're saying and they can't wait to get to their next opportunity to speak. Mm. So are they really listening or are they, are they creating their next thought? And you are a great mm-hmm. listener. You, uh, you have a gift for that. You know, listening is a gift. And, and your passion for people, you know, you care about people. So, you know, I, I'm so blessed and honored that I have made this connection with you in my life. And I'm really, truly, sincerely um, <laughs> honest when I say that we need to work on something together because I think that, that there's more that we can do together. And... Uh, and I hope you feel the same way. So, <laughs> but you're I, I certainly do. It, it, <laughs> so yeah. listen, we only it's have a, a minute to know left. You and, and that sounds very fun. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You only have a minute left. So very quickly, why don't you tell people what you're working on right now and how they can reach you if they want to know more. But it's got to be quick, like the 30-second version. 
Yeah, absolutely. That what I'm working on now is the next big frontier in, in, in helping cancer survivors live the best lives they can. I'm working on a project about helping people repair the relationships that have been devastated by cancer. So more about that to come on my website, which is www.drshanifox, that's D-R-S-H-A-N-I-F-O-X.com shortly, and also in my blog, which is there. I'll, I'll be writing more about this. Wonderful. Well, I am so delighted that you took time out of your schedule today to to be with me and to share your heart and your beautiful spirit. And I just I just adore you. So, Shawnee, thank you so much. Um, and to our audience, we will be here next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There's always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.